Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello and welcome to Strides Forward the podcast where we tell narrated stories about women who run marathons and ultramarathons. Each episode, we tell one woman's story focused on one topic. I'm Cherie Louise Turner, a 51-year-old trail and road runner, and I'm the host and creator of Strides Forward. If you're new to the podcast, a huge welcome. And if you're returning, it is great to have you back. This episode is part of our series about running in a woman's body, and we're focused on the topics of menopause, pregnancy, and red S. Red S, also called REDS, is short for Relative Energy Deficiency in Sport, and it's the topic of this episode. If you aren't already familiar with red S or you don't really understand what it means, stick around because that's really the point. This syndrome isn't as widely known or understood as it needs to be, but knowledge is power, which is exactly why I feel like these stories are so important to tell and why I am so grateful that women are stepping up and sharing their stories like this runner. Cool. I'm Anne Ashworth. Uh, I am an ultra-distance runner from South Africa. Yeah, and running long distances is pretty much what I do. I also work full-time as an advocate, Yeah, but running really is my passion. Yes, it's Anne Ashworth. Anne was featured in a couple of episodes in our first series about experiences around the highly prestigious 90-kilometer or roughly 56-mile Comrades Marathon in South Africa. Of course, if you haven't heard those episodes, I encourage you to go back and listen. But it's not necessary to have heard them to understand our story here. What you need to know about Anne for our purposes now is that back in 2017, she decided to take her running to the next level. She'd been a really good runner, but she felt she had even more potential. So she started working with one of South Africa's top long-distance running coaches who believed in Anne's potential for greatness as well. As part of starting out with her new coach, she started training with a new team, which included several top 10 or gold medal comrades finishers. So, I mean, I think in in 2017 and in 2018, I was part of an all-male training group. I know that for the first sort of three, four weeks of training camp, I was able to keep up with the men. And, And that was even more of a badge of honor, like, hey, I'm running here with... Comrades gold medalists, and they're the men, so I must be okay. Um, and then, you know, after four or five weeks, I start dropping off because ladies don't run as fast as men over those long distances. And I was like, that's okay, because, you know, these guys are the pros, and so I'll just try and keep them in sight for as long as possible and just do my thing. And what Anne's thing was, was following with unwavering commitment the elite level training program her coach gave her. Anne was there to do the work, 
whatever it took to be the very best runner that she could be. For three years, I was a mileage junkie. I mean, I would be knocking on a minimum of 160 Ks a week training. Kind of comrades training go up to 300 Ks a week. Um, so I was running a lot all the time. In addition to that, I was doing quality every single day. Um, sometimes quality twice a day, every single day. Um, so extremely high mileage, extremely high intensity, no cross training at all. So Anne was doing structured, quality workouts every day and a lot of distance. If you're working in miles, I'll translate. Anne's talking about running 100 to 185 miles a week. In addition to this high-intensity, high-mileage program, Anne's coach had prescribed a very disciplined eating regimen that was very high in protein and extremely low in carbohydrates and fats. And, as was the plan, she was getting results. Huge results. In June of 2018, Anne Ashworth surprised just about everyone, including herself, by winning the Comrades Marathon. This had been Anne's ultimate dream, and she had done it. But soon thereafter, the cracks in Anne's wellness began to show. In 2018, the end of 2018, I ran the Valencia Marathon in December and had experienced my usual kind of up and down training and physiologically in the build-up to that race. Um, and 2018 overall was quite a stressful year outside of Comrades. Um, and I just sort of wrote off most kind of niggles, gastrointestinal issues, um, kind of, you know, stress-related physiological issues I just wrote off to stress um, and being a bit fatigued um, ran Valencia had a great marathon ran a PB there and kind of thought well there can't be anything too much wrong with you because you just had a great marathon but after Valencia really struggled to get going and this is where the early signs of red ass can be so deceptive Taken one by one, they can look like the reasonable reaction to, say, post-race fatigue combined with a stressful work life. It's about a bad digestion here, a little niggle or pain there, a few bad days of training, each one explained away. Because taken alone, they don't look too bad. You train through small pains all the time. You figure, bad digestion, it's so common with runners. Why not me too? You bank on tomorrow being a better day of training. This is a bad patch. It will pass. They do. Not one of these issues, in the moment, on its own, is crying out to make you stop and reassess absolutely everything you're doing. So, if like Anne, you're dedicated and committed to being a competitive elite athlete, you deal with each one of these issues as they arise and you forge ahead. You keep trying to stick to the program. I mean, I was supposed to start comrades training two weeks after Valencia, so that's kind of the middle of December. Could not turn the legs over. I just felt dead beat and took another two weeks rest. Really struggled to get going. January just couldn't find momentum, was really struggling with my long runs. February, much the same. Kind of had a marathon here in early February. I didn't finish. 
um, and just was feeling terrible, um, but tried to push through it. And I wasn't under a lot of stress and strain at work. And so I thought, gosh, I wonder what's going on. I don't know why I'm feeling like this. My training isn't too much. You know, I just, I don't know why I feel like this. Is it iron? Is it, is it like low vitamin B? Like what could be wrong with me? So Anne looked for outside help from a trusted source, the very person who'd helped guide her to that remarkable comrade's victory and on to this personal best performance at the Valencia Marathon. Basically, my coach's attitude at the time was, suck it up, princess. You're clearly not working hard enough. You need to get your mind in the game. And so I really just tried to push myself physically as much as I could, but was not making any progress at all barely finished any training sessions, just I was exhausted all the time, I was crying all the time, I just was a wreck. Anne was a wreck, but there was work to do and she just needed to suck it up. Running at this level is really hard, that is to be expected. Pushing your body to the very edge of its capabilities is absolutely exhausting. This is the work that will get you there, or so that was the thinking. This program had worked in the past, it would work again. This is what had gotten Anne to that comrade's victory and her best marathon time yet. Let's just keep at it. So, Anne tried to regroup and look ahead. She wanted to be ready for the grueling training she'd be facing to get ready for the 2019 comrades, which would take place in June. The beginning of March, I started my um, eight-week training camp in anticipation of comrades, and some sort of just this physiological state perpetuated and got worse and worse and worse to the point that I literally couldn't run 30, further than 30 kilometers. I was just dead on my feet. The harder Anne tried to dig her way out of this rut she was in, the deeper she continued to get. In 2019, like, I couldn't even get out the blocks. Like, I wasn't even there from the beginning. And I thought, wow, there is definitely something wrong with me this year. I should be able to keep up with these guys. And I just couldn't. And it was just a big sign to me that I'm not where I need to be, and I don't know why I'm not there. Um, and, and that's really kind of... You know, because I was almost training in a bubble because I didn't know what other people were doing. I don't know how hard other people are working. All I know is what I'm doing, what I've been told to do. But then when I went to training camp and I saw the people that I've been running with for the last two years and I was way behind and experiencing huge problems that they weren't experiencing, I thought, well, no, this is not normal. Um, so that really was for me the sign. And as if this wasn't enough of a sign to alert Anne that she was really in a bind, unfortunately, more was on the way. And I, I really just didn't know what was happening to me and started to have incredible back pain that also I just, I didn't know what it was. My coach said it was all in my head um, and just, I just was really struggling and eventually sort of packed my bags, left training camp, came home had a sob, um, thought my running career was over, like maybe I just don't have it anymore, and started to really research myself, what is going on? This is not normal for me. Frustrated and depleted, with a clear resolve that something was terribly wrong, 
Anne became determined to find some answers. So Redis is not something that we've really talked about here in South Africa prior to last year. So when I was reading about what I thought I had, it was more commonly referred to as the female athlete triad. And one of the one of the key pins to that is stress fractures. And I thought, you know, I can't have this because I don't have a lot of recurring stress fractures. Like, you know, this can't be, it can't be a thing. And my, my coach's attitude was, if you don't have a stress fracture, your diet is fine. Because diet, because stress fractures are diet related, they're not overtraining related. That was something that he told me over and over again. And so I was like, well, I don't have a stress fracture, so my diet must be fine. And I mean, aided, well, aligned to that was the fact that my coach controlled my diet. So if my coach was telling me that I was eating fine and he'd got results for me in the past, you know, it was sort of a, you know, okay, well, I trust him because this has worked for me previously. Anne was on the right track looking into the female athlete triad. This is the term we used to use for this syndrome before we started calling it Red S. The name change, along with an expanded definition of the syndrome's symptoms, was established in 2014, specifically to address what Anne was coming up against. The triad definition can be too narrow. However, like Anne mentioned, this older term and its definition are still very common. The female athlete triad identifies this syndrome as involving only three symptoms, low bone density, an eating disorder, and loss of menstruation, which is also called amenorrhea. Anne didn't have any stress fractures, which are a telltale sign of low bone density. And as to that last symptom, the amenorrhea, for Anne, that was a complete question mark. So if I was an athlete that once upon a time had had a regular period when I wasn't having a regular period, that would be a red flag. But I, um, I had used the Mirena for many years, um, and on the Mirena, I don't have a period. So it wasn't a warning bell to me. I didn't know that I was in a, a state where my hormones were in crisis. So Anne was not showing signs of low bone density. The amenorrhea was a blind spot. And she was very firm about the fact that she didn't have an eating disorder. I think there's a lot of misconception about reds. And I think that a lot of women might think of reds as an eating disorder. And that can be embarrassing or shameful or something that you don't want to admit to or deal with. But that's not only what reds is. And, and sometimes, you know, I, I just think like, look, I've been through an eating disorder. I know what that is. That's not what, what I had. And I think if more people are just aware, you know, maybe less people will, will fall into the trap because it's so easy to fall into the trap. Anne had been through a very serious case of anorexia that started after she'd gone away to university. And she'd healed from it. More so, she'd vowed that she would never go down the path of restricting calories again. And she hadn't. So Anne wasn't showing any of the three defining symptoms of the female athlete triad. But, as it turns out, she was dealing with a syndrome it's meant to diagnose. When Anne began to get some clarity on the more comprehensive definition as spelled out by Red S., 
things looked very different. If you go through the red symptoms, there's 12 symptoms of reds. And at one stage I was like, well, I think I have 11 out of 12. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I, I, was, I was really convinced that that was what the issue was. Um, and my, my only thing that was holding me back was this perception that it's an underfueling, it, it's a condition that's related to underfueling. And I interpreted that as eating disorder. And I thought, but I eat a lot. My food bill is enormous. I never stop eating. Um, like it cannot be that I underfuel. And here lies a critical nuance in this conversation. And and there is a difference between under eating and under fueling. You might be eating a lot, but you might not be giving the body the nutrients that it needs. And that really was my issue. And this is a really important issue to highlight because eating disorders severely restricting calorie intake in the name of being thin and light are behaviors that are so common with red s they're practically synonymous but then there are cases like ann's where it wasn't an issue of under eating it was an issue of undernourishing you may be eating a lot but not enough of what you need for women being too restrictive with your carbohydrates can be particularly troublesome and one issue which experts recognize as a symptom of red s pointed to the fact that at least part of Anne's problem was related to her diet. Something that really just came up was my gastrointestinal issues. I, I've never been somebody who's who've had runner guts. I've never had to use a portaloo in a race situation. Um, I've never, you know, prior prior to this. Um, whereas, you know, within a couple of months of following the super strict diets and training like I was training, I had chronic gut distress. And unfortunately, Anne eventually got further confirmation that this diet and training program was sending her down the path that's so common with this syndrome. I did have a stress fracture. The back pain that I had in 2019 was a stress fracture in my spine. And there's no other way I could have got that stress fracture in my spine without chronic overtraining and a diet problem. It's not an area that you would get a stress fracture otherwise as a runner. And then just overall, like my physiological state, craving for sugar and carbohydrates, craving fat, chronic fatigue, you know, those, those sort of things. But my, my major sign was, was, the, was the gut distress, the stress fracture, and then the, and then the chronic fatigue. Finally, Anne had some validation around what had been plaguing her well-being and her performance. The more and more I read about it, the more and more convinced I was that I had reds uh, or red S and then went to go and see my trusty old sports doctor and chat to a couple of experts. Um, and, and certainly the consensus seemed to be, yes, I was a perfect candidate for red S and let's, let's try and manage this as best we can. And that's really how we, we came to the conclusion that that's what I was suffering from. And the more that I read and the more that I learn, makes me think that I didn't just have radius in 2018, 2019. I'd had radius for a good two and a half years. But I'd been chalking it up to other things and ignoring the problem until finally my body couldn't take it anymore. And again, that's one of the biggest challenges with red S. You can dismiss each piece of the puzzle as individual issues that are just part of the elite training process. 
And overall, things can look good, sometimes great for a long while, until they don't. You may be winning huge events and PRing until you aren't. And then when you look in the rearview mirror and you can piece all those issues together, the picture starts to become clear. You start to see those pieces as the early warning signs that they are. I, looking back, have been able to see that because the fat content in my diet was so low, um, it actually had an effect on a whole lot of my hormones, all of my chemicals, which require essential fatty acids to kind of move around your body and, and regenerate. I wasn't giving my body enough essential fatty acids to even produce my most basic hormones. Um, so, I mean, things like my hair falling out to dry and flaky skin, like those are normal things associated with a very low fat diet. But, you know, the, the hormone effects, like some of my brain chemicals weren't even working. Like I'm not a, I'm not a dim person, but, you know, there were days where I literally couldn't put two and two together. I was like, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I literally, my brain is not working today. Um, so a lot of brain fog issues, a lot of forgetfulness, um, I'm, I'm not that person. I'm very type A. I'm, I'm super organized. I'm really management prone. And there were days where I just couldn't even keep my own life organized, never mind organize everybody else. Um, so I think, you know, knowing that there wasn't enough fat in my diet, that, that was a key way that that manifests itself. It was very clear to Anne that she needed to revamp what she was doing. I had some time off and I had a lot of time to think about what needed to happen and took the very difficult decision then to split up from my coach um, because I chatted to him and I said, look, I think there's a problem and I think that we need to rethink our strategy and what we've been doing in terms of diets and training is not working for me and, and we need to, you know, we need to think outside the box, we need to change things up a bit. And unfortunately, my coach wasn't willing to accommodate that. His attitude was, we've done just fine on how we've always done it, and you need, to keep, you need to keep following the plan. And I wasn't prepared to do that. All right. It may be tempting here to just want to blame Anne's coach. But that, to my mind, would be missing the point. This issue is bigger than just one person. We're talking about changing a culture of training, of reconsidering deeply held beliefs and practices which can be particularly challenging when they've actually gotten you the results that you wanted. And not to be missed here, this was an enormously difficult decision for Anne to make, however insensitive her coach may have seemed in retrospect. This was the person who had believed in Anne's potential abilities and guided her to victory at the biggest stage in South African long-distance running and one of the most prestigious ultra races in the world. He was the person she had chosen to be at the finish line of that victory because he'd been so instrumental in her training. This was the person who'd taken Anne from being a really good runner to being a great runner. But he wanted to stick to the program he believed in, and it wasn't working for Anne anymore. It was sad, but it was also simple. Anne needed to take her wellness into her own hands. And then sort of just took... A good while to assess like do I want to put myself through this again like do I need to be in that state of physical crisis in order to perform at my best because 
then I don't want to be competitive anymore. I don't want to, I don't want to compete in that state again. So Anne went out in search of a new approach. eventually got in touch with a coach in the States who had run Comrades a couple of times and who I had a lot of respect for as an athlete. And he asked me if I was dealing with Red S and I said yes. And, and he kind of put me on a very moderate program just to try and dig me out of the hole, really. Um, and I stayed with him for a couple of months. Um, but during that time, I, um, I then broke my ankle <laughs> running along the stream I tripped over a rock and ended up in moon boots and kind of everybody just thought that actually that that was a sign from God that I just needed to sit down and so I did I just took off completely and just focused on my rehab for my stress fracture on my spine and just rested Eventually, Anne decided she wanted a coach closer to home and turned to the Coach Perry team in South Africa. Lindsay Perry and his coaching staff are highly regarded in South Africa and also use a scientific approach to training that appealed to Anne. I know that he's got a, a very scientific background and, you know, he's very highly regarded here in South Africa. And I thought, you know, um, I really need a professional. I don't, I don't just need a coach. I need, like, a sports scientist to work miracles with me. Like, please, can you help me? And, and so I started with Lindsay. Very slowly, <laughs> he has worked me back into shape, um, but it's been a very long process. Now I do probably equal cross-training to training. And I don't train as much on the road. So my mileage has come down drastically, but I keep my fitness up by swimming and cycling and then doing a lot more focused strength work, basically to protect my muscles and to protect my bones um, because weight-bearing exercises obviously build bone density, which is what I need at the moment. And so it has actually been a complete shift with this dramatic change in workouts has come a dramatic shift in the day-to-day -day impact of training. I'm not tired. I was always tired, always sore. Yeah, I mean, I can't remember a time where I started a training session and I wasn't kind of really having to mentally prep myself up for the session ahead. Um, now I get out on the road, I'm like, woohoo, let's go for a run. Yeah, I mean, I almost feel like I'm on holiday now because um, the training's really light compared to what I've done in the past, but it's so enjoyable. And now that she's going into running workouts less tired, Anne discovered something else. Now, like, there are very different speeds at which I'm able to run. Like, there is flat out and there is tempo and there is slow. <laughs> it's, it's quite nice to have a difference. So, so yeah, I mean... I can't believe that it's taken me, what, like 20 years more, 20 plus years of running to be like, oh, I don't just have one speed. I do actually have different speeds. But, you know, that really comes from the difference in training. Because if you're not trying to kill yourself every day, you can save your major sessions for the days that count. So Anne was running fewer miles and adding in different types of workouts like swimming, cycling, and strength training to get fitter and stronger. This was helping her to maintain fitness and to go into her running workouts fresher, mentally and physically. And all of this is fantastic. But ultimately, the goal is to be able to run faster. 
and Anne got a chance to test her speed toward the end of 2020. But I mean, it's been it's been really good for me. I ran a 5K PB, which, you know, at 36 years old and despite having one comrades, to still being able to run a 5K PB was hugely affirming for me that we are on the right track. So although I feel like I'm just playing because I'm not very stressed out about my running, overall in terms of life and health balance, it's been much better for me. The changes in training were working well, but Anne also needed to address another crux of the issue her strict diet plan. So one of the, the things that I did after, as part of the recovery from Reds was to go and see a dietitian because my relationship with food had become so distorted that I couldn't actually remember how I needed to eat. So because for three years I only ate certain things and I didn't eat other things and I was like, oh, can I eat that? Should I eat that? How often should I eat that? I couldn't remember what normal eating was like. And so going to, to work with a dietitian called Christine Rice, you know, and she would, she would do me an eating plan and I'd say, no, I can't eat this. And she'd be like, well, why not? So I'm like, no, it's bad. And she'd say, well, well, why is it bad? And I'd say, well, doesn't it have like a lot of fat and cholesterol in it? Like, I don't, I don't think I should eat egg yolk, for example. She said, you have to eat two eggs every day. And I was like, no, I'm going to die of a heart attack. And she said, why? And she said, I said, there's cholesterol and there's too much fat in there. Like, I'll just eat the egg whites. That's fine. And she was like, there's iron and there's fatty acids. And there's all the things that you need as an athlete in an egg. Please eat two eggs every day. And I mean, it took me a couple of months to be able to eat two eggs every day. But, you know, like we just get into funny patterns about food. Um, but working with a dietitian really it has made a difference. And when she wrote me my eating plan, I was like, you want me to eat how much food? I'm going to be eating all day. But the more that I followed her plan, I was actually hungry all day to eat all of her food. It wasn't a problem. Um, and I did. I lost weight. I leaned up and I had incredible energy levels, which I've been able to maintain. And I do, I feel so much better. And I actually now, eating the fat, having ice cream twice a week, not being afraid of having a chocolate every now and again. I'm totally a fan of cupcakes. I love cupcakes. I can't tell you why, but I'm obsessed with cupcakes. I eat all those things now and I've never been so lean. Even when I was training on the super strict diet, I am lean and I am strong and I feel amazing. And, and I think that that's been a huge affirmation for me. Anne was learning what foods best nourished her body, and she was beginning to fuel herself with everything her body needed to thrive. But it wasn't only Anne's physical health that benefited from this change in eating. I've never been super conscious about what my body looks like. I've more been concerned about how my body performs. And so when I was following the super strict diet, I wasn't enjoying my food. I didn't eat for joy. Um, I ate to fuel and it was very much like putting petrol in the car. So I didn't, I mean, I didn't cook anything exciting. It was steamed everything and grilled everything else. And, you know, it was bland and boring and it was purely functional. 
Whereas now, like, I think I'm quite a foodie. Like, I experiment. I've just been buying cookbooks every month in the past 18 months. I'm so excited about trying new recipes. And I make all my own sauces and all my own dips. And I'm getting really adventurous in the kitchen. My husband thinks it's the best thing ever. And we eat the most tasty, delicious, wholesome food every single day. And just from a life balance, like, it makes my soul happy to eat good food and to cook good food and to not have all this pressure about you can't eat this and you can't eat that and don't eat too much of this. And now I just eat as I feel, keep a balance. And it's, it's definitely made me a happier, more relaxed person. This time of recovering has given Anne Ashworth some perspective on her journey and the prevalent mindset around what it takes to be a competitive woman athlete in long-distance running. Redis is something that you need to recognize, diagnose, and deal with. It's, you can, you can exist on reds. You can race on reds. You can train on reds. I don't know for how long, depending on how bad it is or what type of racing you're doing, but you can exist in a perpetual state of what they call low energy availability, which is the precursor to reds. You can exist in that state for a while. And, and I think that that comes in and is related to the point about not menstruating as a badge of honor. You know, like people think that they can exist and do well in this state of crisis. And so they're just going to keep doing what they're doing. But I think the long-term ramifications or consequences of that type of attitude and the damage that you do to your body in the long term is not worth it. And there has to be a healthy way to race and train competitively. And I think that we need to be far more aware of racing and training in a healthy state because the more people who continue to exist in an unhealthy state, in a state of low energy availability, the more prevalent it is, the more acceptable it is. And so I, for one, I'm looking forward to seeing how I do healthy. We are too, of course, and the signs are pointing to, well, Anne completely crushing it. At the end of April 2021, Anne won her very first 100-kilometer trail race on a tough technical course in South Africa's Drakensberg Mountains. A big thank you to Anne Ashworth for sharing her story once again. It is always an honor. If you haven't heard the previous episodes that Anne is featured in, I'll link to them in the show notes. One focuses solely on Anne and her victory at Comrades, and the other one is about Team Massmart, the South African all-women's elite long-distance running team that Anne founded and ran. Also in the show notes, I'll provide ways to follow Anne Ashworth as well as Strides Forward on social media. New for the podcast in that realm is that we started a private Facebook group, Please come join us discussing all things women's longer distance running and sharing our own running and adventure experiences. As always, I am very thankful to you for listening. We love making these stories, but they're also meant to be heard. So you being here is a critical part of the equation. The Strides Forward team includes me, Cherie Louise Turner, your host and producer. Cormac O'Regan makes all of the music and does all the sound design. And he does it from his studio in Cork, Ireland. 
April Mariner of Bonfire Collaborative does all the design work for the show, including the website, merch, and logo. She comes to you from Truckee, California, and you can find April at bonfirecollaborative.com. Strides Forward will be back in a couple weeks with another episode about running in the woman's body. Until then, this is Cherie wishing you many strong and healthy Strides Forward. Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age, you're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-backed training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run, where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals that you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along the planted runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you.